This is Neon Radio, episode 123, with co-founder of Danny Joe, Danielle Snyder. Welcome to Neon Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, fashion and lifestyle photographer for today's top brands, performers, and game changers. On this podcast, we explore the body, mind, and soul of the creative entrepreneur, bringing you inspiring guests to help take your creativity, business, and life to the next level. Hello, hello, fellow Neonites. I'm excited to bring to you today's guest, Miss Danielle Snyder. She is the co-founder and creative, creative director of Danny Joe Jewelry. If you haven't seen them, you should check it out. DannyJoe.com, D-A-N-N-I-J-O.com. We'll have it linked up in the show notes, but they have an amazing creative aesthetic and their jewelry has been worn by everyone from Beyonce to Taylor Swift and the list goes on. Danielle is a straight up hustler in New York, as you have to be. And we talk about her path of how she grew to creating this company and making her way through starting it up and the good times and the bad. We talk about her creative process and we also talk a lot about how they've really used social media to create a really big brand presence and and really grow their brand. We talk a lot about collaboration and the importance of it and also the inspiration that comes from it and how it could be great to build your brand and build your artistic career. We also learn about some of her morning routines that help keep her balanced and moving forward and on the hustle. So we're going to have a bunch of stuff linked up over in the show notes. You can go check those out over at neonradio.com slash ep123. And also, don't forget to join the Neon Life community on Facebook over at neonlife.com slash community, and that is N-I-O-N-L-I-F-E dot com slash community. I really wanted to start the Neon Life community to get you guys all more involved and to be able to meet each other and start your own collaborations and get feedback on each other's work, ask questions, and what have you. I would love to hear from you, so join the group, ask questions, and share your creative inspirations. So with that, I'm excited to bring to you guys the one, the only, Miss Danielle Snyder. All right. Well, I'm very excited to have Danielle A. Snyder on Neon Radio. She is the driving force of Danny Joe Jewelry, amazing designer. You can see some of the uh, the, the jewelry and the uh, accessories she's got here, but very beautiful aesthetic and, and great eye, and welcome to the show. Thank you. This is so exciting. You have the best radio voice ever, by the way. I'm like really nervous all of a sudden. <laughs> Ooh, thank you. Uh, Doesn't yeah. he? It's really good. I like it. I, I've been, it's, I've, it's, been a lot of practice. I've been trying to, uh, you know, it's 
been an effort of getting myself out of my comfort zone. Cause really good. just being behind a microphone has never been my an Elvis microphone. Forte, an but, Elvis uh, microphone. <laughs> this, uh, this episode is about you and your creativity and your eye and what's your story. And, um, so I really want to jump into that. And, you know, we've been friends for a while now. I mean, we met, met at, at summit. summit like eight years ago. I can't right? believe it's been that long. We're so mature now. <laughs> right. <laughs> On the boat. Wow. I met a lot of my best friends on that boat eight years ago. My favorite people in New York. Stacy being one of them. Wasn't Stacy on that boat? Or did no, I meet her at a different summit? No, she's never been to summit. Okay. But she had all, all of her friends. I feel like Stacy's like everywhere you are. So I just like associate you two with like Yeah. Years. Yeah. I mean she it's that's the one place she hasn't been. I feel like she would have loved it too. But I think she would have. All of her friends are on that's the boat. That's why I associate her because yeah. I met half of them yeah. in two thousand Erica. Erica, isn't she in LA now? She's in LA. Sophia. Sophia's. She's part of the summit. Amir. Oh yeah, Amir. Literally I've, everyone that I see Stacy with, I met on the boat. That's so funny. Yeah, you she's never been. Well, we'll 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 tell her that. We'll relay the message. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's let's kind of jump into your story, where you're from, and tell us about Danny Joe and how you started it, and then we'll kind of jump into your story of how you your creativity. So I'm originally from Jacksonville, Florida. My sister and I started making jewelry on my dad's medical tools when we were like, I think I was 10, 11, and Jenny's three years older. Um, And it just sort of like happened. It became like a bonding, a hobby that we bonded over. And it was like a good excuse for me to hang out with my sister and her older friends because all of a sudden I was needed because I made dope shit on my dad's medical tools. And, um, one thing sort of led to another at the time, um, Jacksonville's not New York city. It's, it's amazing, but it's not the most fashion forward place. Really? Well, I mean, <laughs> contrary to what you might've thought, but, um, we did have a super bowl there. It is like very happening and yeah. for a, um, yeah, it, it's happening more so now, but basically we used to sell our jewelry locally and, um, Eventually opened up a boutique in San Marco um, and brought in other accessory labels and sort of just hit the ground running. And it was a hobby that ultimately turned into a career. Oh. And so it wasn't like an intentional thing. So um, we, I had a nonprofit in college that fundraised for grassroots initiatives in Africa. And mm. the idea was to get young people to use their passion and talent to impact change, which is weirdly how the jewelry sort of came back into my life um, in my college years. And we used music, film, fashion, um, all these creative outlets as fundraising vehicles to help fundraise for the first health facility in a small village in Kenya called Luwala. And so I fell in love with this community after visiting in 2006 um, and ultimately ended up starting a nonprofit in the name of the village. Uh, The village was called Luwala. So the nonprofit became, the word was... um, Lawala turned into live with a lifelong ambition. Ooh. And so the idea was to get our friends that were artists to use their passion and talent to impact change. And Jody and I designed a capsule jewelry collection to help fundraise for their first health facility. Wow. And that's kind of what ultimately propelled us into the world of creativity and um, pursuing a career um, in yeah. fashion and yeah, the rest is kind of history. We, we threw a series of fundraising galas here in New York um, when, I, when I moved straight after college for my nonprofit. And 
Jody and I designed a capsule jewelry collection that was really successful. Natalie Portman signed on board to be the spokesperson um, for one of the galas we did here in New York. Ultimately made mention of the jewelry that we designed in New York Mag as the gift to give. Wow. Um, for It was like their gift issue, their yeah. holiday issue. And then simultaneously, it was 2008. So Jody and I got fired from our real jobs. And at that time, I know there's a very like <laughs> intricate story. And Jody usually helps me sort of... Um, articulate this better. There's so much information. It's what was hard your to... real job? So I, at the time, was um, doing sales for a diamond jewelry company based out of Great Neck. So I was living, paying New York rent, reverse <laughs> commuting to Great Neck every day. Oh, my God. And I was there for about four months, and I got fired. And um, my sister, simultaneously, had been working for a shoe designer who... Um, she also got fired. Like with, we got fired within a month of each other. Crazy. So we were like, you know what? Like let's start our own thing. And if it doesn't work out, we'll get jobs. Like we're in our early twenties. Um, and so we hit the ground running. We cold called Bergdorf Goodman. We got a meeting with them. This was in uh, March of 2008 and long story long. She took the jewelry on consignment. And then our second week in business, Beyonce bought a necklace off the floor Wow. And wore it on tour all over the world. And that's kind of what like propelled us into like, we're onto something. We have an aesthetic. Um, it's really editorial. Like a yeah. lot of jewelry designers have dainty pieces that aren't necessarily so synonymous with the DNA of a brand. Whereas ours is like very much in your face and bold. And I love that. I that's love how that. it all happened. So you, you, you guys started designing when you were kids and then you, when you went to college, you guys like stop and kind of like focus on college and then then you came back to it or so, were you still designing? So I was still designing. So Jody would um, come, so she was at University of Florida in Gainesville and she would fly up to Vanderbilt and we would do trunk shows at my sorority. We do like events. Yeah. And at the time we, we still had the boutique in Jacksonville and my one of our really good friends was managing it who lived in Jacksonville. And so I would make jewelry in Nashville and I would send packages down to the store. So we were still doing the jewelry thing, but I very much was like focused on psychology and Spanish. Like it wasn't in my head. Like this is what I'm doing for a living. Oh wow. It was so like, it was a side, it was hustle. A side business. It was, it was always, always hustling. <laughs> it was a side hustle. And um, I think the main thing is that Jody and I always loved having um, being in contact all the time. We're best friends. Yeah. So it was like, for us, it was like a way to stay really bonded. Even when we were apart yeah. it was, the, was the jewelry. Awesome. And then you guys got the jobs. You, were you both living here in, in New York City at that time? So she, so Jody straight out of um, University of Florida moved back to uh, Jacksonville for a brief stint and then moved to New York City. So she had already been in New York for like a year by the time I graduated. Yeah. The second I graduated, I was like, I'm moving to New York with Jody. So then I moved in with Jody. And that's when, you know, I, I at that time had the nonprofit. I was working for the other. Um, fine jewelry label and great neck. Yeah. And it was very much just like a hobby. Yeah. Um, and then when we both got fired, it was also the heart of the recession. It was 2008. Like everyone was getting laid off. Mm. So it was just like a kind of a, a luck of timing that yeah. we got fired at the same time. And that's crazy. So what did getting fired teach you? That it's really difficult for me to work for someone else. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, and then also just that, Sometimes, um, you know, well, it's so trite to say, but when one door closes, another opens. Yeah. And just sort of keeping an optimistic outlook on situations that initially seem to be um, negative mm-hmm. can turn into, um, you know, the best thing that ever happened to you. Well, it's, uh, 
very good lesson. Yeah, it was pretty, it's pretty good. So you moved, you got fired, you moved here and then you started, once you got fired, how did you start building the business and paying New York rent? Um, so that's a great question. <laughs> um, Jody and I at the time worked on St. Mark's place in a, in the a fifth floor walk up and, um, we basically used our savings. So we were like, we're going to give ourselves six months to do this. We handmade everything in New York. We were super scrappy. It was just Jody and I, we didn't really have overhead because everything was made to order. Mm. So we were living off of our savings and then also investing small amounts of our savings into launching this company. So like getting trademarked and, um, materials, like we didn't, like we didn't have real production costs, uh, initially because we were handmaking everything mm. in our apartment. Yeah. Um, so it was just one thing sort of led to another. And then we leveraged getting into Bergdorf Goodman to go to other stores, be like, Hey, the lines in Bergdorf Goodman, do you want to carry us? And we did that with, um, boutiques who we had some sort of relationship with. So we, I think starting locally for us was so great because we went back to Jacksonville and we're like, Hey, we're in Bergdorf Goodman. We'd love to sell to X, Y, and Z to the, you know, these stores. So we yeah. found local partners from our hometown that championed us and supported us and like, you know, placed the first real orders. Wow. And then from there, just sort of organically grew. Like we still, to this day, it'll be, it was nine years in March of having the label. We still to this day have no investment. Wow. Which I think, I think we should take some investment. At this stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably the tricky part now is trying to figure out how to, to expand and grow to really scale. Yeah. To scale. And, um, you know, what are you, what's your experience and, and how do you grow with that? So it's, it's not an easy answer. Um, because you know, nine years and we still struggle with it. And I think that one of the greatest, um, we're misconceptions. One of the greatest misconceptions about having your own business is that over time it gets easier. Mm -hmm. I really think it's like it's best likened to having a child. So like you have this infant that's screaming and crying, that can't communicate and that has its challenges. And then, you know, the kid starts to grow up and they can talk and say things, which sometimes aren't things that you want to hear or deal with. Um, and it becomes a different challenge. And then, mm -hmm. you know, all of a sudden they're teenagers and they're doing their own thing and you don't have to like manage them every five seconds but that has its own set of yeah. challenges. And I think it's the same with business that like, as much as I'm, I have such an incredible understanding of business and fashion and how all these worlds, music, film, philanthropy, psychology, how it all sort of comes together from having played in this space for almost a decade. I still am brutally honest about the fact that it's, it's, a, it's always an uphill battle. And the second that you feel like you're coasting is probably the second that like, you're not doing something right. A hundred percent. So yeah, it's, it's challenging. And, and I think how to, how to really scale is a great question to ask and to consistently talk about with all types of entrepreneurs, because I don't have an answer. <laughs> yeah. It's gotta be tough. I mean, you know, I want to jump back a little bit. Yeah. You guys are known for, you know, social media helping to build your business and you talk about fashion and music and how, what have you learned about all of those things that's built social media, first of all, and then how social media has actually helped build your brand? I think for us, social media is one of the best tools that we've ever had. Um, and it, it'll probably be, it has been your best tool as well and what you do, but um, with both your photography and neon radio mm -hmm. um, and your book and everything else you're doing. Cause I think it's a language that we grew up with as millennials that our parents didn't have. Mm. And 
you're like me in the sense that like you email, you talk, um, you communicate the same way across all channels. And I think people that are able to do that tend to be better at social media than people who aren't mm -hmm. as great with their communication skills. So for us, it was a huge opportunity because, you know, this Instagram or Facebook or all these different channels became our window to the world. So mm. when our physical product was at a retail space in, you know, Japan or in London, the customers that experienced the product saw a very skewed sort of, um, they had a very skewed perception of what the brand is based on the merchandise there, based on um, yeah. what context it's in, what brands it's sitting next to, um, and how the price point compares to uh, the assortment at that store. Mm -hmm. Whereas for on Instagram, we can tell our own story. So we can show mm. you like, the entire picture of who we are, where we come from, how we style the jewelry, where the ideas come from. And it becomes an open channel for us to learn more about our customer base. So the types yeah. of people that wear the jewelry, um, knowing that more people want to see hoops or more people want to see gold, mm. um, you know, so so using this is such a long winded answer, but using social media as sort of our eyes and ears to the world, and in particular our customer base, mm -hmm. um, and using it as a means to build a community is probably yeah. the most valuable asset we have and will have. Yeah, so it's about telling your story and engaging a community, essentially. Right, and just build. Yeah, engaging a community and building a community because I think as as we get older, at what's happening in cross industries, music, fashion, film, is that people are becoming brands. Mm -hmm. And the community that you've cultivated as Nick or as Danielle outweighs anything you'll ever do, whether yeah. it's like with Neon Radio or with Danny Joe, the brand. Because at the end of the day, everything's about human connection, mm -hmm. and especially in the creative world. Like yeah. I would do things for people that I feel creatively inspired by that yeah. I wouldn't do you know, for X amount of money. And I think that that's like a great business awareness to have, yeah. no matter the industry you're in. It's just mm -hmm. like, you want to work with, be inspired by it, and surround yourself with people that are creative and like-minded. So. Absolutely, absolutely. What kind of things have you, have you learned in building a community on, on through social media? Like, even if it's like solid tips of like what, you know, what's worked for you? I think what's, well, I think the, um, landscape has definitely changed in the last five years. Um, a with Instagram, the algorithm changing and more brands catching on to what's happening on Instagram and, you know, Facebook now owning Instagram. There's just been so many changes that yeah. as much as something might've worked for me three or four years ago on Instagram, for instance, like beautiful editorial images that were shot you know, on a proper camera and you later put on Instagram. Now people are, there's like pendulum swung and now it's like people want to see raw. They want to see like what you look, what you look like, what you're wearing, what you're saying unedited, mm. not face tuned, not with a real camera, um, not, not picture perfect. Yeah. I think. Whereas when Instagram started, I think there was a whole wave of like, everyone was sort of chasing perfection and the more, high res and um, the more professional your feed looked, the more people started to follow you. I think it's the opposite now. I think mm. the more like raw and bare bones you get, um, the more people relate to you, especially with the change algorithm because you know, however 30% yeah. of your followings only seeing a post that you do. So you really want to connect yeah. emotionally with those 30% as opposed to like market, market, market. 
which it's at so one crazy, point huh? is what it was used for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, they changed the algorithm. Like, <sighs> drives me crazy. Me too, guys. <laughs> Kevin. Guys, come on. Kevin. <laughs> it's like, I just good. want, I just want to like, I want to follow, I want to f- see my friends posts when they come up and not me have too. to be like, Oh, sorry, I didn't see it. Because- the other problem is that we now have so many friends. I think my personal, I personally follow like a thousand people or something yeah. crazy. And I follow them all for different reasons. And, you know, 1% of those people are probably people that are like, I really care about that I want to know day to day. But just like you, you follow people because you're inspired by them for their work or whatever. So exhausting. I need to post more. I like I haven't even posted in a couple of days. Post, like, post for us right post, now, guys. Post Instagram, everyone, on a daily basis. <laughs> Multiple times a day. Absolutely. Well, let's jump back a little bit to your personal creative journey. And like, I want to know what inspires you, first of all. So in terms of what inspires me, it's definitely people, art, travel, experience. Mm. Um, I've always been hugely inspired by music. Um, I'll listen to when I'm designing, I'll listen to the same album or song over and over and over and over if I'm feeling it for that collection. Like I remember I had a collection maybe six years ago, whenever Yay Sayer was like sort of starting to tip or like yeah. before people really knew who they were. And I just listened to the Yay Sayer album over and over and over. And I think I've just, I'm really sensitive to sound. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, it gets my creative juices flowing. Um, also people like fascinating people I've met, one of which was Misty Copeland years ago. Mm. I sat next door at a, an ABT gala and the next collection was born the next day. Um, it was inspired by ba- boxing and ballet. Wow. And so we were, you know, just having a conversation with Misty, I was like, God, that's so, like, there's something so soft about her, but also so strong and powerful. And Jody and I box. So we were like, that's such a cool yin and yang to to put together. So it's really random what inspires us. But I think the overwhelming theme of everything that inspires me is somehow tied to psychology because that's what I majored in. So like it's just having a connection to something or someone. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's now you have this aesthetic and it's it's you still carry it across, which, you you know, you said you mentioned earlier that you're known you were onto something when you figured you had an aesthetic. Right. Where did this aesthetic, where did it come from? I think, um, it's funny because I was going to say I'm definitely not shy. When I was really young, I was painfully shy. (laughs) I I always think of this interview that um, Kim Basinger did with, what's it called? Artist Corner. What's that guy's name? You know, it's like the actors, actors. um, Oh. Actors Corner? Actors Corner. It's It's like an older man. He's been doing it for years. It's like very prestigious. Anyways, yeah, I, I just remember watching this episode when I was young when Kim Basinger was like, I was painfully shy. I was painfully shy as a <laughs> child, painfully. And she like she was painfully shy. But I feel like so ridiculous saying that I was painfully shy. I was really shy, which doesn't make sense right now because I'm like not shy at all. Like I, I would talk to anyone. But there was a period where I was and I came out of my shell. And I think the jewelry is bold and sort of like fearless and and it sort of mirrors my personality. Mm. It's very much uninhibited. Yeah. I've I actually a mirror tells me that I have no filter. <laughs> so I think like <laughs> the I think the there's something to be said with like the way that the jewelry like you can't miss it. Like it's going to yeah. make itself known. I think that that's like the hustle. I think that that 
Yeah. I don't know. I think it's, it's very cool. bold. It's very, I mean, that's a, the pieces are a lot, a lot bigger and less delicate. I would, I would say yeah. in terms of, especially women's women's jewelry, right. but I love it. It's so, you know, I've always loved your guys' stuff and like the I silver. Have to, I have to make it. you something. I would love we, that. So we don't do men's. We did uh, a series of uh, men's jewelry for a few Japanese accounts years ago, but we never really got behind because it's not as big of a business. So we're yeah. like, but I only use them. We can do like a neon. Yeah, we'll do a neon Danny Joe. That's okay. And we'll love do it. a shoot. I like it. Okay, cool. Let's do it. I'm like always about the collab. I'm throwing in the Nick, I'm going to have you shoot somebody. Well, I mean, that, that brings up an interesting point because I, I, I'd love to hear your philosophy behind collaboration. Cause you know, I've, I've been taught having some talks with other people and other creatives and the more I realize how much collaboration creates a bigger success. Right. I got to love to hear your thoughts on collaboration. What, what your thoughts are behind collaborating and you seem to love it. I love it. But I think there was a period of time where people were, brands were collaborating in an inauthentic way. So mm -hmm. you would see all these partnerships that you could tell like two publicists sat together and were like, hey, this would be good for your client and this would be good for mine for the following reasons. Yeah, I think collaboration is a dream when it's authentic and organic and you actually like, you know, the person or product and it speaks to your audience and your community. Mm -hmm. um, so f yeah, I love it because I'm a very collaborative person. Like I feel like um, particularly outside of fashion, yes, inside fashion, but I'm always inspired by other worlds. Mm. So, um, you know, like health and wellness and mindfulness I love or athleisure and athletics and uh, movement I love. So anything that kind of takes me to a, more dynamic layer of what I'm doing in the fashion space. Mm -hmm. I think it's so rewarding, but I think ultimately what good collaboration should do um, is inspire you and yeah. get your creative juices flowing. And like, I, I had a meeting with a friend the other day. I was like, we should collaborate. <laughs> and he was like, he messaged me afterward and was like, I'm so inspired again. Like I'm like, he has a startup and blah, blah, blah. Uh -huh. And and I was like, in my head, I was like, that's what it's all about. Is like, we basically just like feed off of each other as yeah. like sources of inspiration or like, you know, cause everyone's always, you hit roadblocks in anything you do. So yeah. it's like, you kind of need someone to like pick you up and take you with them. And I think that's what a collaboration does. Yeah. No, it's funny you say that. Cause I'm like, I definitely need collaborations. To, like we're going to do one. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. And to, to stay inspired and, and especially in, in today's world, right. Where everything is. Well, almost everything's been done. Yeah, so for sure. Everything has been. Yeah, creativity becomes like this new, like we talk about, I heard this quote before, it's like idea sex. It's basically two ideas coming together to make a completely new idea. Brilliant. I love idea it's sex. It's got the same DNA. I want a t-shirt that says that. Do you think it exists? We can make one. Let's, there's the collab. <laughs> there's another collab right there. I think there. it's great. But I, I, I love that idea and like it really brings that to light for me that the more you can collaborate with other people, the more uh, you can inspire. And I think that's kind of what I've created a neon life community and I want other people to kind of jump in and connect with each other and be able to create their own collaborations right. and, and get inspired. So I think it's great. It's, it's fun. Yeah. I love this stuff, you know, me like, too. and this, this, this whole podcast thing has kind of become that for me as well as to kind of like jump into a, conversation, you know, sitting here listening to you tell your story makes me inspired and makes me want to go 
create something else awesome. Same and, with you with your radio <laughs> show. I'm like, wait a second, do I need a radio show <laughs> with Nick? Should we do this together? Should we bring in Stacy? Like my wheel, and that's just like how I think always. I'm always like, wait a second. Yeah. Should we be doing this together or like? And I think even if these things don't happen, it's like the art of the imagination. It sort of like brings you back to the way that, like, I look at my niece all the time, Margot, who is a mile a minute and she's like running around. She's like, you know, I can't keep up with her. But like, that is the the sensibility, this collaboration. And, you know, when I'm like, wait a second, we should da da da. It reminds me of like looking at my niece who's mm-hmm. like so full of youth and excitement and opportunity and naivete. And I think that that's what makes for the best businesses and yeah. dreams like Steve Jobs or um, Richard Branson, Virgin, how he's like, you know, I love, he had student magazine and was like, I love music. And then was like, I'm going to do a record label. And then as he got older, he was like, I love planes. And he's like, I'm going to call my airline Virgin. Everyone's like, you're insane. Why would you call it Virgin? <laughs> And he did. And then, you know, as he got older, he's like, I want to go to space. And he had Virgin Galactic. And like, I think we're all kids. We're yeah. all our inner child. And I think that when you can tap into that through collaboration or through artistic expression, it's just so rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's definitely you need. I think as an artist, we we need that because we're such in our own like little holes and our. I, mean, I don't know about you when you're designing and I'm when I'm in. Like, you're it's like just Howard like, Hughes. Here, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like good to get outside and talk yeah. to other creatives. I think it's, it's such a huge thing. Also, I have to send you this. Lauren Hill did the most insane um, lecture when she she had to have been like 18 or 20 at a. I think it was like a high school, and she talks about collaboration and how. Sorry, uh, producing art. Yeah. And how you can't be in a vacuum, how you have to take a break and like experience life and other people mm. and and leave your world. She's like to be in the studio after being in the studio, after being in the studio and writing and writing and writing and working, working, working. She's like, you can't create beautiful work without all the other like let, putting it aside for a second. That's big. Yeah. And I mean, she, uh, she was like a dream. I have to send you this video clip. Anyways, I was <laughs> like, awesome. We'll link it up yeah, in the show notes. because yeah. That sounds, that sounds yeah, like a great clip. It's amazing. Clip. No, that, that's, that is huge. I didn't even think about it like that, but yeah, experience and getting out there, getting outside of your creative world is definitely something that helps. And vacation. And just like, I think all the most important aspects of running a business and being an entrepreneur are the things that aren't necessarily work. Like people are like, Oh, you socialize and you party or and I'm always like, it's funny because when I'm like, you know, head to the, what's the expression? Head to the grind. What is it? Head to the ground or something like whatever it is when I'm like really bad with expressing stuff when head, yeah, when my head's down and I'm super focused, I'm missing out on all the good stuff. Mm. Like when you just connect with people as people, things happen Yeah. as opposed to you're so focused on like finishing a collection or landing an account or da da. It's like when you're out and you're like free flowing and fluid, mm-hmm. things come to you. Yeah. And vacationing and partying and whatever. Yeah. As opposed to like being so ambitious and so by the books and totally, you got to make a, a, a conscious effort to actually go out and do that. You got to go create your moments. Yeah. I'm going to come to Brooklyn. <laughs> come to Brooklyn. Tell Stacey, we got to organize a dinner. We'll do it. We'll do it. We're going to, we just uh, connected up with, um, you know, the, the gin Nolitz. It's one of our, it's our favorite gin and we're trying to have like a little mixer, Nolitz, mixer dinner, maybe at Stacey's or something like that. I'm in. 
Anyways, yeah, so <laughs> let's, let's do it. <laughs> but we're all like making other plans here. Um, this show is really about making plans, by the way. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Make no small plans. Um, let's, I, what's your creative process look like when you sit down to actually, A, you come up with an idea, you get inspired. What does it look like when you start, you start sitting down to, at the table to start designing? So it's always different. I, I always found it fascinating because I'm not formally trained and Jody's not formally trained. Um, we have a very unconventional way of approaching creativity and design. Mm -hmm. So like I said, it could be as simple as I wake up in the middle of the night, I had a dream and I scribble down a concept or a sketch and it becomes the first piece of a collection that then becomes sort of the, um, like, a almost like you're, when you're writing an essay, how you do your outline, it becomes the outline for where the collection's going to go. Mm, gotcha. so it's typically like a necklace or a pair of statement earrings. And all of a sudden, you know, the necklace turns into a bracelet and the bracelet turns into a pair of earrings and those ear earrings inspire. And then I look at it and I say, wait, this feels very great expectations or it feels very, Probably in the chocolate factory, it's not chocolate factory, but like it, it's it, it triggers a memory I have that was either from a movie, a, a place, or a person, mm. and then that feeds the rest of the collection. So I don't typically we'll have mood boards, so Jody and I'll sit down and we'll be like, okay, we're really feeling these colors, or we're loving, you know, ballet and boxing or whatever it may be, and we'll create a mood board to get the juices flowing. Yeah. But it never ends up being as organized or as um, we're just so not corporate. Like it just, it's yeah. the opposite. It's like very fluid. And then it turns and oftentimes I'll look at a collection midway through and I'm like, this is X. Mm. Like, it's like almost like we give birth to the collection and then we're like, it is how it's like, and then you start creating, it's like you look like a Nick, but it's like when, before you were burned, your, your parents were like, I think we're going to name him Nick. And you like grew into your name. <laughs> yeah. It's the kind of thing where I like to look at the child and be like, your neck mm. and like this is the story you're telling whereas most artists i think have the opposite approach where they start with a very clear roadmap of where they're going and it was inspired by like the 19th century you know fountains in some obscure land right right and, right, right and they move from there but i like to just would you sit down you sketch oh yeah totally so that's usually starts with sketches very hands-on um, we manufacture everything in New York for better or worse, but the quality is amazing and we can be more hands-on because we manage everything here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I literally will spend when I'm designing a collection anywhere from like two weeks to four weeks head down <laughs> in, um, with all the materials and literally just start piecing the collection together. It's almost like Legos. Like I, I just play with it oh, cool. and like make dope shit. What a life. Pretty cool. <laughs> Pretty How cool. many collections are you doing a year? So we have fall, winter, spring, summer, holiday resort. Sorry, we also have pre-fall. There's all these tween collections, and then we have DannyJo.com exclusives, and then we have, you know, any, if we're doing a collaboration or an exclusive, it's ne it's never ending. In terms of, like, major, <laughs> major collections, about right. six a year. Oh, my God. It's like, it's like right when your collection's out being shown to buyers, you're essentially like, I got to go back and design the next collection for like 2018, which is also like a crazy, 
It doesn't make sense. Fashion just really doesn't make sense. Yeah. I think everyone's moving towards design now, buy now, wear now, as opposed to design for a year from now in the opposite season that you're in. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I think digital, uh, like social has changed all that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because instant gratification. Yeah. With everything. now. People, places, things, it's a lot. It is. It is definitely a lot. I don't know how you keep up with six collections a year and like trying to get inspired for each one. And which is why I think collaboration and experiences like feed my soul. Yeah. Most like I don't have an assistant designer. Everything has to sort of like flow through me or my sister. Yeah. Um. So yeah, having a full life. Full life. What is it? Okay. So let's get into that. What does having a full life of color mean to you? So I think it means, or I know it means spending time with people you love, quality time with people you love, experiencing things um, that feed your soul, um, trying new things, making new friends, mm. um, putting yourself in uncomfortable um, environments where you're going to learn something about yourself, scaring yourself, mm. you know, doing something every day that scares yourself, whether it's like, you know, going out on a limb and telling someone that like, um, I don't know, just like if you're a shy person, making pushing yourself to be a little bit more outgoing or like say, hey, I'd love to like grab coffee or I'd love to meet with you or whatever it is or ask people for advice. Yeah. Um, I think putting yourself in a vulnerable position and just like experiencing your humanness on a daily um, cadence just makes for a full life. Absolutely. Love that. Thanks. Stay inspired. Yeah, always. Absolutely. Now you said you um, you're big into mindfulness, and I mean I'm, I'm definitely... really into it. I mean I'm not like into it in the sense that I'm like some guru. I just am fascinated by that world. Yeah, oh, I'm I'm totally fascinated, and, and a big part of this podcast is the exploration of personal development and mindfulness meets creativity. So because I feel be, I, I believe that there's a lot of internal things that happen that exercise and catalyze your creativity and your life. In your business, right? And so, what I was, what I'm curious about is, a, what do you, what kind of things do you practice first of all? And uh, yeah, what? So, what? Like, do you have a morning routine? Is there, are there certain things that you you like to do? So it's like anything else; it's a constant struggle. Like, I'll be better about mindfulness or balance, or I'll be better at certain times of the year. Obviously, it's always like you have to get back to it. It's like a never-ending process to try to. Um, become more mindful and more zen Mm -hmm. but I do Pilates as often as possible typically three times a week because it just sort of like slows me down um, because I just my pace is typically like I'm on a treadmill I do Pilates (laughs) and it's more like I'm big into movement like it's not for me so much just sitting there which is probably very important for someone like me but slow movements like you know I used to do more soul cycle or and more running. And now I'm just like practicing slowing down mm-hmm. the practices like Pilates ballet. I love ballet. Like every once in a while I'll do like a Saturday ballet class boxing mainly not that it's so slow, but the discipline of it. And you get in like when you're doing the speed bag, like you sort of get into a zone, like almost like a meditative zone where you're just like doing the same thing over and over. Mm-hmm. And it's like weirdly freeing because you have to focus on doing that one thing. And then also just like things as random as I discovered 
this woman named Vienna Farron on Instagram, actually, mm. Mindful MFT. She's a family and marriage therapist, and she's my age, and I thought she was a poet, and I don't actually see her, so I can say this, but um, not that I'm a, I would totally see her. But her Instagram feed is all about, like, mindfulness, and she pushes out such beautiful content multiple times a day that just, like, it kind of, like, brings you back and centers you, whether you're, like, getting out of something or in a rough patch in something or entering something new. Like, her thought processes are um, just very soothing. So I look at her Instagram as much as possible because I think everyone's, like, always on Instagram and it can make you a little having FOMO or I'm not doing enough, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and she's one of the um, people that I follow on Instagram that, again, like, sort of slows me down mentally. I'm like, oh, I like what she says. Yeah. So I'll, like, meditate on that. I like that. I like that. Do you have any sort of meditation practice? So I, for a minute, uh, my friend Musa had told me, he used to be at Nike a long time ago, and you know Musa? Sounds familiar. Musa Tariq, he's now like at I've, Ford. He's amazing. I think I've met him before. Incredible. I'm sure you have. Um, but when he was at Nike, I, he had messaged me and said that they were – they had just started at the company doing um, Headspace. This was years ago. It's probably something like so new age now. But um, it's 10-minute meditations, and you download the app. And for me, I like that because it's more manageable, and I can set aside like a 10-minute time frame as opposed to an hour or 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, so every once in a while, if I'm having a really rough day or I'm going through something, I'll try to do Headspace, like a 10-minute meditation. It's a guided meditation. Yeah. And I'll literally sit on that brown chair right there and just like, <laughs> my phone on airport and and listen to it and um, out. But that's basically it i haven't done anything like i did organize a retreat uh a couple of years ago with angela linval in uh topanga which was really cool there was like acupuncture and it was like very focused on mindfulness and yoga and movement and healthy eating and so that was like a three-day thing so i'll tap into random experiences but in terms of in my daily life it's more like exercise mm -hmm. And just little reminders to slow down. Yeah. How do you think this has helped your business and your creativity? I think when I'm um, coming from a place of like calm and abundance and I'm not as stressed out, things just flow. Like mm. Nothing's that big of a deal. You don't get stuck. Um, so I think in terms of my crea creativity, it just, it's like flows. Um, and then when I'm tense and like stressed and trying to do too many things and multitasking, um, it affects my creativity and yeah. my excitement for what I do. Um, and I just feel like stifled and overwhelmed. Yeah. I could totally relate to that. Absolutely. Hey, you mentioned abundance and I mean, this is something I've thought about a lot is like abundance versus scarcity mindset, especially as an artist and an yeah. entrepreneur, you're like, I don't know in the next Job is yeah, yeah. For me, it's like the next job. You know, for you, it's probably a little bit different. You should interview Vienna for this. By the way, I was just thinking about that. Let's, the let's mindfulness and the abundance and all that. I just, all right, I'll we'll do I'll it. I'll put you in touch. Fantastic. You were how, saying. So, how do you keep yourself in an in an abundant mindset? It's the same thing with like the meditation and like finding Zen and balance. I think it's a constant struggle. Um, I'm. You got me on a good day. It's not like I'm always like abundance, like <laughs> free spirited, fluid. But um, I do think that practicing things like, you know, having a routine, whether it's like going to Pilates or going to the gym mm -hmm. or like surfing or, um, you know, doing something that you feel free doing, incorporating that into your daily life. It's almost like a it's like a vitamin. So if, ironic because I don't even take vitamins. I should take vitamins. But 
Um, <laughs> doing something routine is weirdly freeing. Like I've noticed when I travel for two weeks straight and I don't have a routine and like I don't have structure. Yeah. Sometimes I can like mentally lose it a little bit and I don't feel balanced. Yeah. It has the opposite effect. Absolutely. Like everything in moderation. So like making sure that you have free time, but also making sure that like you're experiencing whatever form of structure it is that you know you need in your life, whether it's exercise or time with your family or whatever. Yeah. You have like a morning routine? So every, yeah, pretty much I um, wake up, I put um, the song that I'm obsessed with on at that moment. I put that on the bows, um, brush my teeth, put on my workout clothes, uh, typically have like a FaceTime with Jody and Margo who lives above me. Go see Margo, hug the nugget, say what's up to Jody and Greg and, and the other nugget leave, and then go get my no foam soy latte <laughs> and do some sort of activity, whether it's boxing or Pilates or a run. Mm, fantastic. And then from there, I either, it depends on, my days are always different because yeah. I, I wear so many different hats in the company that I'll either go from there to like a breakfast meeting or I'll pick up a smoothie or whatever it is or make myself breakfast and then go either straight to the office or into design. Um, so every day is different, but typically my first like two hours every morning are that wow. with the soy latte. And I'm trying to do like almond latte, but I'm not as into it. Everyone says soy is so bad for you. It's like yeah. always something else. I think soy tastes like cardboard. I love it. There's this guy, there's this place near my boxing gym. I need to ask them what kind of soy they're using, but oh, wow. I'm like a, I'm like a coffee in my milk kind of girl as opposed to milk mm. in my coffee. So the soy is like a very important part of the equation. So it has to be sweet. It has to be vanilla. If you, unsweetened soy is like cardboard. But you have to no, That's sweeten. probably what I've had. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> wow. So are you working out of your, do you work out of your house that often or is that? Depends. No, not really. Um, for like, yeah, if there's something that I have to get done, if it's like a conference call and I have a meeting downtown, it's like a second. Jody and I launched the company in our first apartment on St. Mark's. So like I'm very mm. much used to like I'm the type of person that can work at home and actually get things done. Yeah. Um, I'm just really self-motivated. So I can use this as an office space, but typically because I have the team and I want to be with my people, I'll be at the office when I can be. And that's um, gotcha. like, do I want to say where it is? <laughs> how big is your how big is your team now? And now we're about maybe nine people oh. um, around seven to nine, depending on the day, because um, we have some people part time. And then we also have some freelance that I'm not including and then like production people. And um, but yeah, that's fantastic. It's fun. When did you start hiring? When did you guys start hiring people? So Jody and I probably ran the business by ourselves for about Maybe like, I think shortly after we got into Bergdorf Goodman, we brought on someone to help assist with production and just everything, like running the company. Pretty soon after. I think the, the key is hire interns before you can afford to hire full-time employees. Mm -hmm. And interns typically, if they're good, end up turning into your first, you know, your, your team of employees. Yeah. Like a nice way to like date before you get married. That's great. Fantastic. How did I should say? How did the uh, the nonprofit that you started years ago influence, or how has that kind of carried through in what you're doing today? 
Um, it's actually funny because at the time that I had the nonprofit, I was dating an, an entrepreneur who was in the tech world. And he said to me, if you put as much of your creativity and passion into what you're doing with your nonprofit and to starting your own business, like whatever it may be, you'll be a success. He said that. And he also said, and this was like 12 years ago. He said, if um, he said, what's the point in getting to the top of the mountain if you have no one to share it with? I love that. So those are two things that I took away very early on. Like my sister's my business partner. She's my best friend. She's my everything. So being able to like share this experience and this journey with her is amazing. Um, and then also just what I learned through my nonprofit, like collaboration and bringing in different fields and everything not being so literal and segmented. Yeah. I, yeah. The sen the sentiment of collaboration and passion definitely are like the foundation of. Yeah. That's fantastic. They're, it's like the same. Yeah. Very integrated. And what are, you, what are your thoughts on giving back? I mean, we've seen each other at like Pencils of Promise yeah. and, and all these I, different things. I think so. it's so important. I think um, it's, again, one of those things that like it's good for the soul, but it's also, also ultimately good for your community and your following. And um, again, like we talked about earlier, just giving people a reason to feel connected to you. Mm -hmm. um, I think philanthropy is the greatest thing you can do no matter what industry you're in because it inspires you it connects you to new people and it feeds your soul mm -hmm. um right now so so we i had the nonprofit, but having the nonprofit and starting my own company was too much i mean they were in and of themselves for full-time jobs yeah. so the, the health facility that we sought out to fundraise for had has been up and running since um April 2008. So, I mean, we had the nonprofit for the purpose of supporting my friend's um, grassroots health clinic in his hometown. So that's been up already. So I essentially gave my nonprofit to a partnering nonprofit that does the same work. Oh, cool. Um, and started Danny Joe. So ever since then, I always knew that I wanted Danny Joe to stand on its own two feet and to do good, but to not be, at the time, I felt very uncomfortable with um, for benefit businesses, which now are all the rage. Right. Um, but this was in 2008. I wanted them to be totally separate. I wanted us to build a luxury label that people were buying the jewelry because it was beautiful. And once we made that name for ourselves, it would become a platform to do good. So now, hmm. for the past five years, we've partnered with Indigo Africa. And so oh, cool. it's a company that liaises between brands and women's cooperatives in Rwanda. So they hand make, these women's cooperatives hand make all DannyJo.com packaging. Anytime you order something on our website, it comes in a little Rwandan made pouch with a card with the oh, woman's so cool. a photo of the woman who made it on it, her signature, and the story about how we came to partner. So we do little things that are built into the business, but in terms of, um, there's so many things I'm passionate about and there's so many reasons um, that I would want to support organizations mm -hmm. like Pencils of Promise um, or Charity Water. Um, or UNICEF. So I go and support when I can. We obviously donate jewelry when we can, but I do think it's important to find um, a way to incorporate a philanthropic aspect into your business, business, whatever it may be. Yeah, absolutely. What, uh, what are some of those passions of yours? Um, in terms of philanthropy? Yeah. So um, actually, if anyone listens to this podcast that could help me with this particular dilemma, that would be amazing. My um, aunt was in a terrible car accident uh, when she was 29 years old. So the year I was born, so 32 years ago, and um, it's my mom's sister, and she was hit by a drunk driver. It was a hit and run. She was in a coma for two weeks, and um, thank God 
is alive and, and a, one of the most incredible humans I've ever met. But she has a she suffered from a closed head injury. And so TBI, traumatic brain injury, is one of the most complicated um, injuries. It's typically associated with veterans coming back mm. from war, shell shock. But the problem with the injury is that every injury is so different. Mm. Um, so, you know, your speech can be slurred, your social understanding can be impaired. Like you, you can have a hard time understanding social situations depending on what lobe of the brain was injured. Um, the closest organization I've found to speaking to this audience, though I think it's partic- it's more focused on veterans, is the Bob Woodruff Foundation. Mm. I've been meaning to really just like lock that relationship relationship up and try to create some sort of um, community within that organization that supports not necessarily veterans, but people that suffer from you know a sports accident or a car accident or wherever yeah. it m- may be. But my aunt is like for me, that's something I carry with me every day, and. I wish I could help her. I wish I could make her better. And I, my family wishes they could, um, but we can't ever give her back the life that she had before. Mm-hmm. And the problem with the injury is that typically people who have it remember exactly what they used to be like. So they wake up every day and it's like they're on, it's like a broken record. Like they have to go through life like this, wow. remembering what they used to be like. So, Anyways, I would love to find a way to um, help that community and bring those types of people together in a cool way yeah. um, where they don't feel like, you're marginalizing them or making them feel different because they remind themselves every day that they're different than they were. Yeah. So that's something I'm really passionate about, but I haven't figured out the exact way or made the time yeah. uh, to do something with that community. Cause yeah. I don't really know what exists that I should be tapping into. I'm sure the right thing will come along. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe Stacy knows I should ask. I feel like she knows everything. <laughs> she does. She knows, she knows everyone, everything right? and everyone. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's something I I have like a personal, like I feel like I have a responsibility to do something and I haven't. And so yeah. that's like a bad feeling. But um, and then there's things that are close to me because they're in my orbit here in New York that I'm like, oh, I love that. I love, you know, yeah. you know, kids with cancer, like should never have to experience those kinds of things. Yeah. AIDS, like we did something with um, Love Heals years ago. Um Anything related to kids, to be honest, yeah. um, and and just like loved ones that when someone's hurting, it always impacts their family mm-hmm. and the people in their lives. It's not just like the disease or the person struggling with it. It's like their whole world. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you have so much. There's so many causes. I, I love that you're so passionate about that. Thank you. I, I need to channel. I need you to help me channel because. <laughs> the challenge is I can be so excited about so many things that it's hard to really make an impact. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I have to find this organization that works <laughs> with TBI. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll come up somewhere. Maybe somebody will even write in and, and have, have a uh, solution over here. Um, but moving forward, where do you see yourself and where do you see Danny Joe? So I, did you ever watch 60 minutes growing up? Back a in few times, yeah. Okay, so do you remember the guy, Ed Bradley, who had the two earrings? That so, I don't remember. He's so cool. <laughs> um, and they do a parade for him every jazz fest in New Orleans. Um, but he would always interview musicians and artists, and he's just such a cool guy. Like, that's the dream. I would love to find a way to basically be Ed Bradley, like he's my spirit animal. So, like, basically get paid to, to travel and meet new people and have conversations with fascinating people um, in sort of like a new age 60 minutes. So like kind of doing what you're doing, but like 
yeah, like just having conversations with cool people and connecting people and um, storytelling. Mm-hmm. So that's the dream. And I'm starting to do that through World of Danny Joe, which is the content portion of our website. So if you go to dannyjoe.com, there's a little button at the top called World of Danny mm-hmm. Joe. We've just launched it. Um, and we're very understaffed, so it's it's slow moving. But, you know, I interviewed my friend Vienna on it. I'd love to interview you. Um, but it's sort of just a snapshot of our world, the people we love, the places going um experiences we're loving yeah so i'd love to take that to another level eventually love that. um and then also just incorporate philanthropy in a more meaningful way in my work and i think i'll be able to do that once um i have sort of that media platform carved out yeah the world of danny Joe. sounds like you got a lot of you do a lot of uh, philanthropy stuff already yeah i think i you know like i love the way that there, there's certain brands out there that it is you know, the one-to-one model, like that's great to me. And yeah, we do our own little version of one-to-one model, but um, you know, it's, it's a constant struggle. I think just being an entrepreneur, like one of the challenges that at nine years in, I'm at this stage where it's hard to priority prioritize. Like there's so much coming in at any given moment that it's hard mm-hmm. to focus on any one thing. So as much as I'm like, I'd love to get behind an organization that works with TBI you know, there's a million things on my day that I'm I'm looking at, and then you know, there's not that 25th hour in the day to focus on it. Right. So I think you just the prioritizing and making like a real roadmap to actually. I think people end up living, just living, mm-hmm. and they're not like pausing and saying, "I really want to be Ed Bradley, and I really, really want to work <laughs> with an organization that, you know, works with TBI." Absolutely. As, a, as opposed to doing that, I think you just, we kind of just stay on the treadmill that we're already on. Yeah. You got to constantly be like trying new things and yeah. stepping out to get yourself Like out with of you that. with the radio show, how did you say, I'm going to do this? Did you always want to do this or did you fall into I it? I never thought I would ever actually do it. And actually, do you know Lewis Howes? Lewis. Lewis Howes. I don't think he's so. He's got a podcast called The School of Greatness. Oh, I love that name. Yeah, he's his is he's got a great his, his podcast is great. I've shot I've shot him many many times, and we did this emotional intelligence and leadership training out in L.A. a few years ago, and kind of oh. through that he interviewed me on like one of the first I think it was like thirty episodes or something like that of his podcast, and um, I, was, I was this is like so much fun. I should like do my. Yeah, I got the bug now. That's what happened. There you go. There you go. I mean, it's fun because like I have, you know, I've had like a really great network. And so I was like, I could just interview all you know my everybody really and anybody cool will do friends. it for you. Yeah. So cool. it's, it's been a great journey and a lot of fun, you know, like sitting down and, and having these inspiring conversations. Cause then yeah. I'm like, I leave these conversations and I'm like, I hope a it inspires other people, but it's then I'm totally like, oh, now I'm like, now I want to go do something. It's like it's that spark that you were now talking about. Now you're like, about. now I want to make jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> I do, you know, <laughs> I do want to make jewelry, but but yeah, I guess a couple of quick questions before we close here. I guess, you know, so what, what's been one of the biggest challenges for you mentally throughout this entrepreneurial journey? I think uh, two things is making like separating personal life and work for mm. sure. Because to me, it's all basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what social media does, right? So it's like all of a sudden the vacation's turning into content for... <laughs> Your brand or for World of Danny Joe or for Neon Radio. So I think when you work in the creative world, it's really the lines are so blurred. Yeah. Um, so making sure that I'm like, wait a second, I've gone out five nights a week. And yes, I love all these people and I've hung out with editors and stylists and 
you know, whatever, influencers, whatever. And then you're like, but wait a second, like, I didn't save a day to do whatever the hell I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Like, just sit on my couch and watch 13 Reasons Why. Or, yeah. You know, I mean, not that that's, like, so monumental, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I think it's important to cultivate time for yourself. I think for the past nine years, I, I dip in and out of it, but I think I'm so ambitious that I often often don't make the time that I need for myself to feed my soul. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, like you, like, you know, you're, you're always, you're always doing something in the name of your work. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to like, you love your work and it's like, so a part of who, like your mm-hmm. neon radio becomes like an extension of Nick. So it's hard to separate yeah. those worlds. Yeah, absolutely. You find yourself doing things and saying yes to things that you're like, I could have used that like three hours as me time. Yeah. It's a blessing and the curse, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't change it. I, so that's a challenge. And then also just um, having a company and never having raised money. Mm. Um, there are other growing pains. And, you know, as the brand grows, um, you know, it requires more money to scale. Yeah. So those are the, I would say, the two biggest challenges. Absolutely. Absolutely. So final question that I love to ask all my guests is what does the phrase live inspiration mean to you? You like that I'm pausing. (laughs) Um, Live inspiration. I think it means live a life that um, is an expression of your authentic self. So Mm -hmm. showing up, being you in every situation, whether it's business or personal, and just honoring that is is living inspiration. Love it. I love it. Well, thanks for coming on. Where can people find you on the interwebs? So Danielle A. Snyder on Instagram and the brand is Danny Joe, D-A-N-N-I-J-O. Um, and then our website, dannyjoe.com. Fantastic. Check out their, their work. It's amazing. And I'm excited to have had you on. It's been a long so time. So cool. I want to do it again. Thanks. Fantastic. All right. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode with Danielle Snyder. I'm your host, Nick Onkin. And if you want to check out the show notes for this episode and all the links, you can go to neonradio.com slash 123. For those of you who are just listening and haven't seen how you spell neon, it's N-I-O-N. And if you love today's episode if you liked it if you found any inspiring advice from it i would love it if you could help me out by sharing out the episode on your social medias with that same link on radio.com slash ep123 or go over and leave us a good review over on itunes and again don't forget to go and join the facebook community over at neonlife.com slash community join other creatives in the creative journey and with that You know what time it is. It's time to go out and create your life by creating every small moment. We'll see you next time.